so let's just open with prayer and and uh, uh, Prophet Lloyd, why don't you just go ahead and open us open us with just some prayer? Sure, Lord, we just uh, thank you for wisdom and uh, revelation, and God, just help us to. Uh, find those parts in us that need to be healed and touched and revealed. And Lord, we just thank you for the wisdom we're about ready to receive and bless those that come on, that they'll pick up something that'll change their life. That'll make them more uh, Christ-like like they want to be. And uh, Lord, we thank you for that. In Jesus name, we just speak wisdom and revelation over the teaching tonight and extra understanding. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for John setting aside time to do this and help people. And uh, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for that prayer. And before we dive in, I just want to again just share my heart as to why I'm teaching this. Um, I recognize that, that um, first of all, all of us that are on are at different places and not every person that comes onto these calls do I believe is at the place of needing, you know, desperate healing or restoration in their life in the areas of what we've dealt with and talked about in the orphan spirit, orphan heart. But the reason why I felt such a passion for this is because I could never understand growing up why, you know, great men of God that I knew, prophets, apostles, or powerfully used, you couldn't touch their gift. When they got in the pulpit and they began to operate, they were powerful, they were accurate. You saw miracle signs and wonders. And But the challenge was that when you would get close to them, there was so much dysfunction going on that, you know, oftentimes, I mean, a classic example is a, a, a church here in, in Houston that, that, that that pastor, that minister, and that group, they specialized in doing an event called Back to Emmaus. And it was a healing event. And I will tell you, as far as, as teaching and the power of that event, it was incredible. Three days of spiritual healing and deliverance. And I went to it twice. And the depth of healing and deliverance I received was phenomenal. But then I chose to start, you know, hanging around there on Sundays and Wednesdays. And within one month of going to that place, all the good that they did in those conference sessions with healings was unraveled because of the pastor's lack of character and harshness and heavy handed dealing. And, and I began to pray about this and I began to ask Papa God, you know, God, why do are there pastors and, and prophets and evangelists and apostles and great leaders who do great things in your kingdom, but then you know they either have to keep everyone at distance and, and quote unquote fake it till you make it, just have this performance shell you put on to get in the pulpit and do what you do, but then live lives of seclusion. It's because so many people know the dysfunction they live in, and they've had to learn to just hide that instead of getting into places where they can receive help and healing. And so I determined, I said, God, if you will give me the tools and give me the wisdom, I'll help people that are battling the orphan spirit and are having an orphan heart. And again, this is not some type of thing where, like, for instance, if somebody comes along and they're they're this is not like saying, well, you got a bad spirit or you got a lying spirit or you got a whatever. Saying someone has an open heart, it is not a, 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 a it's not a a um, issue of character. It's not tearing you down as a believer or as a powerful man or woman of God. Because the truth is, people can have an orphan heart. And, and, and they can, um, hi, Oros Libera, God bless you guys, love you. And Crystal, God bless you. They can have an orphan heart and not even realize it. You know, when God 
came to me and began to deal with me about the orphan heart that I had. I was in the middle of being used of God and, and traveling the world and, and, and had planted 18 churches, Bible colleges, and, and had a number of sons and daughters in the gospel I was leading. And, and at first I was like, like really? Really? I have an orphan heart? You know? But as I begin to really just become humbled in the presence of comfort and allow the truth to strip away all the walls and the veneers, I realized, okay, yes, I need healing so I can be a better version of what God wants me to be. So I just want each one of you to know this as we go into this teaching that while some of you may have a measure of healing you need, but I also want to say that I'm teaching this to empower you to help others, okay? So don't just think, you know, don't reach a point in this teaching and say, okay, I got it. I got the concepts. I got it. I'm, I'm good. We're not trying to fix you. <laughs> I'm trying to empower you and give you tools to help others also. And so even tonight as I teach, there's some things I'm going to talk about that I believe each of you are going to be empowered to do the will and the purpose of God. So let's go ahead and dive in and I'm gonna go ahead and just share my screen and, and, and give you the notes here so we can follow along. And um, at the end of this teaching, I'll make these notes available to you. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into, we're gonna talk about now nurturing the relationship. Our first session we taught, we talked about discovering what the orphan heart was. Our second session, we discovered how important it was to have, first of all, a relationship with Abba Father and walk with him. Our third session, we talked about uh, the different levels of, of, of maturity. We talked about uh, the five different Greek words that deal with the different levels of maturity. And, and again, if you want to go back and revisit any of these teachings, um, I'll give you the link in the, in the chat. Then last week, we, we discovered, you know, why does disconnect take place? Why do sons and daughters walk away from fathers and mothers? And why do fathers and mothers abandon sons and daughters? And we discussed that. So now that we've discussed all of those things, I want to talk about how do we nurture the relationship? How do we nurture what it is that God has called us to do? So how do we nurture this? So let's dive in. Once again, I'm going to go back, and I've been using this scripture almost every week because it goes back to identity. That's what being a son or a daughter is. It's understanding your identity in Christ. Our identity in Christ is not that we're apostle or prophet or evangelist or pastor or teacher or reverend or doctor or bishop or, or anything. Our identity is son and daughter. That is the identity that God wants us to have. And so once again, we see where, where God, the Bible says that the, 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 the heavens opened when Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit in bodily form descended on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. So the greatest joy we have is being a true son or a true daughter. And, you know, what I believe needs to happen, especially in modern day Christianity and, and, and what I call program-based churches or religious order is power and performance has to be replaced in this hour with sincere fathers and mothers. And, and, and we, we get into a lot of performance-based environments. And I'll be honest with you, I, I tend anymore to shy away from power and performance-based environments because there's a lot of dysfunction that takes place in these environments. And I've been about seven years removed from these power and performance-based environments that everything about you and your ministry and, and is based on your performance. And, and there's people that no one can even know anything about you, but if you can play an instrument well, or you can preach a house of fire, or you can prophesy, then they'll, they'll throw you up in the pulpit and not even know who you are and say, Go for it, brother. Just, just do it because it's all about the power of performance. But those are toxic environments because they're not built on true, authentic relationships. And it's not if but when you're going to get wounded in those, those environments. 
You know, recently Jennifer and I went to a tent revival in South Houston and I came in and sure enough, they got started in music and it was that, I call it the Batman music. It's really, no, 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 no. Everyone's getting down juking and dancing, they're dancing. And just, it was just, as far as activity, the place was just exploding with activity. People jumping, shouting, singing, dancing, but God wasn't there. I closed my eyes and tuned out all the music and everything. And God, and even the 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 the, the pastor got up and he was, you know, ah, just got there, ah, just going 90 miles an hour, spitting, screaming. But I closed my eyes and Papa wasn't there. And of course, it was a performance-based environment because. You know, he had all these special places for the who's who. And if you're not a who's who, you can't sit there. And, and finally, after about 45 minutes, I turned to Jennifer and I said, I can't take it anymore. We got to go. And so we stepped up and left even before the preacher got in the pulpit. Because those performance-based environments, the reason why they nauseate me is because I've seen the damage and the dysfunction and the people that these types of ministries just roll over and leave in the dust dying god wants to replace that with fathers and mothers let's read this scripture in, in judges 5 in, in the days of shamgar son of anath in the days of jail people avoided the main roads and travelers stayed on winding pathways and there are few people left in the villages of israel until deborah arose as a mother in israel we need fathers and mothers to rise up. That's the answer to what performance-based Christianity has done. You know, I read a, a report recently that said that 35% of people that attended services in church had just quit altogether since COVID because they discovered they can just join online. And you know, why, why, why? Risk the problem of coming face to face and, oh, the dreaded COVID. And it's just easier to sit back and join the service online. 35% of churches have lost everybody. And really, it's because people just want convenience. It's, it's inconvenient to get up and go and join the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. I mean, I thank God for, for, for social media. I'm able to minister Today, I don't know how many people's on. I haven't looked. We've got at least a dozen tonight, if not more, from all over the United States. I thank God for this because, you know, if it wasn't for social media, I couldn't minister to you. But this cannot replace one-on-one -on -one family relationship. And it wasn't until Deborah. Now, notice this. Go back to the scripture. You know who Shamgar was? A mighty man of God. You know who Jael was? A mighty woman of God that killed a, a, a captain of the army by taking a, a nail and driving it through his head. But with all this power going on, people were scattered. And they, they stayed on the, on the winding pathways and avoided the main roads because of the corruption going on in the land. And even the villagers, those few people left. We need the ministry of mothers and fathers to rise up to replace modern-day performance-based Christianity. No, we don't need to go back to filling houses full of people that's just Christian performance and live bands and big videos and flashing lights and cute sermons. We need mothers and fathers to rise up to raise sons and daughters. And that's what God is doing. God is raising true fathers and mothers through intimacy with his presence. True fathers and mothers that are desperately needed because the government of the kingdom of God is family. Did you know that? That's how God governs kingdom. It's your family. But having an orphan spirit will not allow you to join a spiritual family. Amen. I got to find out who's on that's not muted. So give me a second. Let's just down. I found it. Hey, Elijah Murky, God bless you guys. Love you. Glad you're with us. Amen. God bless. So, you know, we have got to understand that, that performance-based Christianity is being replaced with kingdom, with spiritual family, with fathers and mothers raised up to sow into sons and daughters. I said this last week and I repeat it again. There's a difference between a babysitter 
and a real father and mother. I, I, I told you my daughter was an awesome babysitter. But the reason why she was an awesome babysitter is because she got paid. If you weren't paying her, she couldn't do it. Well, guess what? When you become a spiritual father and mother, even become a natural father and mother, nobody pays you for that. It costs you. <laughs> I mean, you, you just the, you, the first three months of having a baby, it costs you just in diapers. <laughs> and I think that Elijah and Mark, you can say a big amen with that. They got a precious, precious young man, uh, Hosea, amen, that God's going to heal him completely. Amen. We're just believing with you. But this is what God is doing. God is replacing the power and performance of Christianity with true mothers and fathers in the kingdom. Amen. Let's keep going. Let's talk about fatherhood and family. Why is fatherhood so important? Well, first of all, it's vital to be part of a spiritual family. I'm not saying that you have to attend a church service somewhere every week. But you need to find your family, find your tribe. When you find your family that's passionate about the things you're passionate about, it's passionate about kingdom, passionate about Jesus, about souls, about the things of God, about prophetic, then you, then you, then you got someone you can run with, someone that will get behind you and, and cheer you on. You don't have to bootleg who you are and fake it till you make it because you found your family. See, when we're independent and a lone ranger, that's when we become the most vulnerable. You know, I used to tell a story about four bulls that were very close brothers, and they stayed together. And there was a lion in the area that tried to come and kill the four bulls. But every time the lion tried to come and kill them, all four bulls would face outward with their horns, one to the north, one to the south, one to the east, one to the west. And every time the lion tried to attack them, another bull would hit him with his horns. And the lion could never do anything. But one day he went and whispered in one bull's ear and said, hey, did you hear what so-and-so said about you? Did you hear what so-and-so did against you? He don't like you. And, and, and so that bull got offended. And guess where he went? He went to the backside of the pasture all by himself, do his own thing. Then he went to the lion with the next bull. And pretty soon all four bulls went to the four corners of the field, offended each other. And the lion killed them one by one. Folks, we are living in an offended generation. It's kind of hilarious. If you go to my General Covial Ministries page, you might have seen the post I put on there. Where jokingly, I said, it's very controversial, I know. And people are going to be offended by this. But I'm 100% for mandatory vacations. And every four weeks, booster vacations. You wouldn't believe the people that jumped on there and chewed me out. And called me names. People that were my friends. I laughed and came back and said, go back and read what, you, read, that, read what I said again. Then they realized I said vacations, not vaccinations. <laughs> the people were going in and removing their comments and apologizing. But we live in an offended generation. That they're just, they're, the slightest thing offends them and they leave family. They leave spiritual fatherhood. They abandon. We need the spirit of adoption. You know what the spirit of adoption is? It's full acceptance. Did you know we were adopted by Abba Father? Come on now, somebody. While we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. Not when we had the perfect record of going to church and we had sat down and memorized scriptures and we paid our tithes and gave an offerings and we were good boys and girls. Think about the worst thing you ever did in your entire life. The thing you're most ashamed of. At that moment that you did that thing, Jesus loved you the most. That's the spirit of adoption. Full acceptance. See, we can't raise healthy houses of sons and daughters if mothers and fathers are not healthy. Come on, guys. This is why I'm teaching this. I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not trying to put you down and say that you're not a good prophet. You're not a good Minister, you're, I'm telling you, we got to get healed from the orphan heart. The worst thing in America is pulpits full of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers who are not healed. They're powerful, 
They're anointed, they're eloquent, but they're not healed. You see, if you struggle receiving correction, there's a sign there's an orphan wound there. Now, I'm careful that I don't correct people anymore unless I have a relationship with them. So I've discovered even people who came from abusive environments, it takes time. It takes up to six months of loving on people and coming into a journey of relationship with them before I can begin to give them correction. Because if you don't have the relationship with the son and daughter and you try to correct them, they're going to be offended. And they're going to see it as abuse because of the heavy-handed type of of, of leadership they suffered in religious order. So you got to walk out the relationship. See, a true father's love embraces a son or daughter and says, I love you regardless of what you've done or you've not done. If you've come from religious order, you're not used to that. Because in religious order, you come into the church and the first few services, they love bomb you. Oh, we love you, and you're awesome, and you're and just hug you and just love on you. But the moment you don't do what they ask, you don't line up to their standards. You don't get in line with what they preach doctrinally. You don't stop doing some things and change. Whoop! There it goes. There goes the love. Bye-bye, love. I can tell you, thousands of people across America told they loved me because I preached in conferences and I preached in churches all over this nation. But the moment I released my credentials and turned in our nation with this organization, whoop, no more love for you. No more love for you. you don't, you're not us anymore. That's not family, folks. You're either going to have factory church where a bunch of people get kicked out that are cookie cutter, as long as you line up and you do what they say and you follow the 10 rules they give you, or you're going to have family. I don't know about you. I want family. There's something about the wineskin of family that helps roots to remain in the soil for fruitfulness to come. You can't continually be transplanted. That's why we live in such an orphan hearted generation that goes from church to church to church to church. They don't know what they're looking for. They're just, what the, the problem is they've never become rooted in family. The Bible doesn't say blessed are they that are transplanted across the world. The Bible says blessed are they that are planted in the courts of the Lord. There they will flourish. You got to let yourself get planted into a spiritual family. And again, I'm not saying you got to go to a church building every month or every week. But you got to be part and be coming to covenant with a spiritual family because the wineskin of that will help your roots to grow and for you to see fruits. Amen. You see, independence is not a kingdom culture. <laughs> Sweetie Pies, I hope you don't mind me sharing this. <laughs> and we're not into mythology or or. or reading palms or reading hands or all that stuff. But she came across a website that if you put in your foot structure, it would tell you whatever <laughs> meant you were. <laughs> <laughs> and so, sweetheart, tell everybody what your foot structure said you were. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll tell them. It said okay. that she was independent. But Very strongly independent. But guess what my foot structure said? That I was fiercely independent. <laughs> but guys, let me tell you something. Independence don't work in the kingdom. Don't even try it. So I got news for you. Papa's head is harder than your head. <laughs> and all you're going to do is go around mountains. If you want to be hard-headed and independent, I don't know about you, one trip around the mountains enough for me. I'm like, okay, Lord, hold the fort. I don't want to go around this mountain. Papa, what do you want me to do? Guys, independence is not kingdom culture. 
Prophets are notorious for this, being lone rangers. Why? They get wounded in the midst of spiritual order. They get wounded in the midst of, of these different types of, 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 of settings. Hey, I just saw Isaac Fragoso came on. All right, Isaac. Sorry, your co-host now, whether you like it or not, you're going to help me mute people. Welcome. I'm putting you to work. <laughs> Love you, brother Isaac. <laughs> Isn't that sad? You jump on a, a call and you, all of a sudden you get put to work the second you show up. <laughs> but guys, listen to me. Prophets, listen to me. You can't be sitting in your little cave for weeks and weeks just eating lint and talking to Jesus. And they come busting out of your cave and set everybody straight and run back into your cave. Lone Rangers don't work. You got to be part of a spiritual family if you're going to grow. You must submit the natural tendency for independence to the context and community of family. Ouch. Because you know what? Most prophets spiritualize independence. I've got a prophetic minister right now we've been working with. That the second I begin to correct this person, they disappeared on us. When I came back and said, where you been? I haven't heard from you in two weeks. Oh, I've just been alone with Jesus, just talking to Jesus, just loving on Jesus. I'm like, get out of here. No, you're not. You're not spiritualizing this independent spirit of yours. You're offended because you got corrected. And it shows that orphan spirit of yours, that orphan heart. But, oh, you don't want to be an orphan heart because you're an apostle. You, you've had sons and daughters. You've written books. You've done ministries. Save it, guys. I'm sorry. And I, I'm not trying to be harsh, guys. I'm, I just cut right through the mustard, guys. We got to submit our natural tendency to be lone rangers, to allowing God to connect us to community. Why am I saying this to you? Because I know I was the chief Lone Ranger for years. Week after week after week, I'd get up and house of fire. I'd climb pews and call everybody out in the house and cast devils out and speak in tongues and, you know, shata. And the second the service was over, I'd disappear off into the, into the, into the, uh, into the uh, office and wait for the pastor to take me out to my hotel room. No connection and communication. So there was a side of me, the relational side, that was sorely, sorely deficient. And God had to put his finger on that. And God allows hurt sometimes. Because God uses what hurts you to heal and restore you. Every healthy ecclesia has conflict. <laughs> Every healthy spiritual family has conflict. But kingdom family works things out. You don't quit. You don't take your football and leave and go home. You work through it. All right. To be a proper father and mother to raise sons and daughters, we have to have a proper revelation of the goodness of God and a revelation of the heart of our Father to look past dirt in people and draw out the gold. That's what prophecy is. Prophecy is not, oh, there's a spirit of adultery in this room tonight, and I'm going to sniff it out. Everybody has issues. There's dirt everywhere. Prophecy is to be able to cut through the dirt to get to the gold in people's lives. And yes, sometimes as an apostle, as a spiritual father, I have to confront sons and daughters about dirt. But I do it in the context of, look, you're better than this. You are more powerful than what you're doing right now. Let's get rid of this dirt so we can get down to the gold of who you really are. See, when you focus on the dirt, that's Old Covenant. That's Old Testament thinking. That's Old Testament prophet operation. And too many denominations support Old Testament prophet methods. I'm ashamed to say it. In the Pentecostal denomination I ran with for 30 years, pastors brought me in on purpose because they knew I'd be the, the juggernaut. 
I was going to be the bulldog to go after stuff in their services. And they get up the week before I come and you better all repent. The prophet's coming. He's going to call out your sin. And I'm ashamed to say I allowed myself to be used like that. That isn't kingdom prophets. That's Old Testament prophet concepts. Drawing gold out of people is kingdom and new covenant prophetic ministry. Don't live with mixed covenants. I lived with mixed covenants. I'd have times in service that I'd minister and I'd call out and deal with things. And, and I get to the end of the service and I go to my hotel room and I was grieved. I was heavy. And I asked Papa, I said, Papa, why? He said, that wasn't me. You misused your prophetic anointing. And you just exposed people just to show what a great prophet you were. You didn't care about those people. And I had to repent, guys. And I had to change. Doesn't mean that God doesn't correct people or bring correction, but it's always with love, not to punish. Anytime you use prophetic ministry to punish, you're not following and flowing in the spirit of Abba Father. You're following in another spirit. We need to be restorative and redemptive, even in dealing with people's dirt, not to expose, not to embarrass them, not to humiliate them, but to get to the gold. To say, let's get past this dirt. You're better than this. Let's find the gold in you. Psalm 68 and 6. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. Look at what God does when you, when you join spiritual family. But he makes rebellious, or some versions say the independent, live in a sun-scorched land. Are you walking in a dry desert? Because you're fiercely independent and you're going to do it your way. That's what happens when you get hurt. When you get hurt as a leader, even, you can say, I'll never trust anyone again. No, you can't allow that to come to you. Because the same environments that produced Judas's also produced Peter's. When we make ourselves channels of the fathers of God beloved flowing through us, it sticks to our soul. And you can enjoy the residue of that love. What do you mean by that? The more you give love, the more you, you love the family of God, even the hard people to love. And when God teaches you love, he gives you hard people to love. But when you release the joy and the love of God, part of that love washes over and just sticks, it coats your spirit. It coats your soul. You know what we do sometimes when people hurt us? We withdraw love from them. Listen to me, leaders. Listen to me. Listen to me. Resist the temptation to withhold love from those that hurt you. This is punishment. God is not a punisher. Yes, one day the word will judge us, but God is not a punisher. Release the Father's love on people's lives. Shine Jesus to them, even when they're misbehaving. I made my mind up. I was not going to treat people by either the history of others in the past, that they do something that reminds me of someone that hurt me or something that happened, or by their misbehavior. I'm going to love them as a son and daughter of God. And even if I have to lovingly confront them, it's to simply get past the dirt and find the gold. So let me tell you guys this. I've had people come to me, especially prophetic ministries, and say, I've never had a spiritual father in my life. People don't understand me. People don't receive me. They don't, they don't understand my prophetic gifting. They fight me. They da-da-da-da-da. So I've never had a spiritual father. It's not being on a journey to find your spiritual papa. When you begin submitting to Abba Father, become a son and a daughter, that's your greatest identity, then God will bring a spiritual father and a covering into your life. So wherever you are in your experience as a spiritual son or daughter, my biggest appeal to you is first allow God to come and father you. I can't be a spiritual father until I'm first a good son to Abba Father.
times. We need his perfect parenting, especially when there's been lack in our own experiences with parents, leaders, and those in authority. Guys, the first 30 years of my life, I had horrible authorities in my life, abusive fathers. But thank God, Papa God, in the past 10 years, has begun to show me the love of the true father. So I, I encourage you even right now, Invite Papa God to show you the lenses through which you're seeing him. Are you seeing him as an authoritarian, an angry father, an unsafe father? Because you had that in your life? Or you had that type of experience with another pastor, an apostle, or a prophet? We need to allow Papa God to change our perspectives so we can become the best sons and daughters we can ever be to him. When we become the best sons and daughters, then we'll become the best brothers and sisters in the family of God. Amen? Amen. So as a spiritual father or mother, let me, let me tell you, when you start working with sons and daughters, resist the need to control people. Oh, my goodness. Religious order is bad about this. Pastors and apostles feel like they got to control everybody. See, one of the identifying marks of the spirit of religion is the need to manipulate, dominate, and control. In religion, leaders have become masters at behavior modification, not transformation. Let me tell you something. I don't care what kind of leader you are. If you think you're in control, you're not in control. Even if you think you're in control, you're not in control. And in religious order, instead of creating environments of Papa's presence and glory that people can get into, and with the Logos word and the Rhema word, helping to see people's lives transformed, instead, people have learned, leaders have learned in religious order, that if you dangle things in front of people they want, and they withhold them if they don't change this and stop doing this and doing that, that's behavior modification. If you stop cutting your hair, if you quit wearing pants, if you quit wearing jewelry, then we'll let you sing in the choir. If you'll quit doing this and quit doing this and quit doing this, if you'll do this, if you'll do this, you'll just, guess what? You can teach next Sunday. Masters at behavior modification. But in the kingdom, true fathers and mothers recognize the need for spiritual transformation that can only come from Abba Father. We are transformed the most in the presence of Abba Father. So don't try to control. See, even some Christian movements have been heavily criticized for leaders controlling every move of the people they are leading. I've even known pastors who control people how to decorate their homes. This is not kingdom. This is not how kingdom relationships are supposed to work. I believe the way we avoid this by understanding that everybody, first of all, is powerful in Jesus Christ. Each and every person needs to hear God's voice and know God's voice. To know his will. Every single child of God is smart enough to work out the right solution. You know, I don't want to become the answer to everybody. That nobody can make a decision if they don't first call me. I don't want that kind of pressure. I'm not God. I can pray with you. I can agree with you. Yes, I can speak a prophetic word into your life. But you are powerful. You can hear from God. I want you to pray and see what Papa God says to you. If you want to come and tell me what you think Papa God has said, because you're wanting, you know, confirmation, then 100%. Amen. Thank you, Brother Paul. I'm glad you're enjoying this. Amen. And if y'all want to type comments into the chat, chat bar, please feel free. Um, we're going to open up for some discussion here real soon, but I want to get through some of this teaching. So we can hear from God. We can know God's voice, know God's will. You can think for yourself. You know the problem in religion? They don't want you thinking for yourself. They want the pastor doing all the thinking for you. They want the district board to do all the thinking for you. I tell you what, one reason why I'm not in religious order anymore is I went to the district superintendent and the board and told them to their faces. I said, brethren, I'm tired 
of you discussing my life and my ministry in these boardrooms behind closed doors and making decisions that affect me without me being present. Now, they call that unsubmission. They call that rebellion. But guys, that's religious order, domination, and control. And God wants to deliver you from that. No man has the power of your destiny. No one man controls your future. Papa God has that. And you are smart enough to work out the solutions you need by praying and seeking God. Yes, you need elders to bounce things off of. I have men of God in my life and women of God that I, when it really gets down to it and it's an important decision, I sit down and say, hey, this is what I'm hearing in the spirit. This is what God has told me. Do you feel a witness? Are you hearing the same thing I'm hearing? That's beautiful. That's kingdom. So guys, as leaders, we guide people towards kingdom living. We encourage people, take responsibility for your own life and actions. We inspire people to seek God, and you facilitate them in their journey. But you don't control them. You don't dominate them. You don't rule them. As spiritual parents, we take a risk when we choose to invest and love others. That's the risk you take. I've had people walk off on me. I've had people be disloyal to me. I've had people burn me. But you know what? I'm, I'm still going to love See, when you encourage people to make their own decisions and for people to accept the consequences for decisions, and sometimes that can hurt. You know, remember this again. Jesus created an environment that Judas emerged and Judas, Judas betrayed him because he allowed Judas to make his own free choice. But this is the same environment that produced a Peter. That preached the thousands. If you want the Peters that preach the thousands, you got to endure the Judases that betray you. But you can't become controlling. You got to allow people to make their own decisions and love them through it, even if those decisions hurt you. Don't ever try to force people into decisions what you want them to do. Or, or, or take false responsibility for their choices. You know why a lot of people don't want to make choices? They want to come to you as a prophet to tell them what to do? Because if it doesn't happen, then they can blame God. No. Part of being a mature believer and moving up in your spiritual maturity is taking responsibility for the choices you make. You prayed about it. You sought God. You heard his voice. And even if you make a mistake, who cares? The process is so valuable to learn God's voice, to learn how to stand on your two, own two feet and be a mature son and daughter of God that will one day be a mother and father that is healthy and powerful. I love the story of Naomi and Ruth. Ruth committed herself to Naomi. Ruth said, where you go, I will go. Where you live, I live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And they had a heart level bond of allegiance to one another. Naomi protected Ruth and made a place for her. See, they had a, a heart-level bond of allegiance one to another. This is a very powerful demonstration of how mature believers can make themselves available to a father and mother. Those of us that are mature not just by faith, by age, but by faith. We must ask God, who do I need to be pouring into? Who is the family you either want me to be a part of or you're wanting me to pour into? You see, both Jennifer and I have had different people live with us at times. And we've helped them grow in the Lord. Growing their confidence. Right now, we're, we're sowing into a son in the gospel from Ecuador. It's a rich experience on both sides. But I am working to make him responsible for his choices. And to have the identity as a son of God. Another thing you need to do as a spiritual mother or father is be present. 
You can't be a spiritual mother or father by position or title alone. If you don't give those sons and daughters your time and your love, then you're not fulfilling the true responsibility of being a spiritual father. See, many people, regardless of age, they long for spiritual fathers and mothers. You got to ask yourself, if that's you on this call tonight, you're wanting a spiritual father or father, ask yourself, am I willing? Are you willing to allow somebody to speak into your life? Are you willing to let someone bring correction and discipline to you without you getting offended? And you got to choose to be present and to open up your life to those that God places into your life around you. See, in the kingdom context, that starts with you weekly connect, connecting and inviting people to speak up. I can't take the people that, that, that email me and say, Apostle Alcubia, I want you to be a spiritual father in my life, and I want you to mentor me. And I say, okay, join us on our Thursday night calls. And they never show up. They're too busy in life to carve an hour or an hour and a half of their week to let me speak into them or to develop an organic, authentic relationship. If God's put it on your heart to sow into a son or daughter, it could be as simple as you inviting them for coffee. Just asking them, how'd your day go? What's going on in your life? You can even ask, you know, if, if you want to reach your spiritual father, ask that person, can I have some time with you to talk to you? What did you do when you was at this point in your life, in this situation? How did God help you overcome these types of challenges? And if you'll humbly and honestly ask questions and be open to correction, then you can develop a relationship. And you know what's the most frustrating thing to me? The most frustrating thing to me is when I sit down with someone who wants me to mentor them or to sow into them as a your father. And I start trying to talk to them, but all they want to do is tell me what they think. Well, I was in prayer last week and God told me and well, what I think about this and anything I try to share with them, they reject. But they know better. It's very, very hard to mentor someone like that. <laughs> it's very difficult to be a spiritual father to someone who will not allow themselves to be spoken into their life. Very, very difficult. Amen. I'm not seeing any hands raised. So if anyone's wanting to ask any questions, uh, if you want to ask a question, just raise your hand. And if again, if you want to know how to do that, I'm not saying raise your hand like this because I won't see it. But if you'll go down into your, your, um, the application here, and if you will. Um, yeah, the reaction. Yeah, the reactions and raise your hand, then you can ask a question. Amen. If you just unmute because you want to ask a question, I'm going to think that you accidentally unmuted and I'm going to have somebody mute you back again. So if you want to ask a question, please raise your hand on the reactions. Click on it where it says blue, yellow, raise hand. And I'll answer any questions you might have during this teaching. But I'm getting ready to wrap up. So just again, there, Jennifer Arcovio raised her hand. <laughs> She's showing yeah, all I, all I wanted to say is this this conversation is so powerful and so needed. And, and I hope to see all kinds of hands being raised. I hope before this evening ends that many of you will have so many questions and so many thoughts and that you will not be afraid to ask anything or comment of something that, you know, you thought was said or so that you understand exactly what he said I, I just think this word is so powerful and so timely well, thank you jennifer and, and yes you're true because it's 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 the dilemma we're facing of religious order that's all about performance-based christianity that has absolutely no concept or understanding of what it means to have authentic relationship. I'm going to tell you what, guys, outside of number one, here in Spirit-Led Family, us creating atmospheres to steward the presence of God. That's our first calling, Jennifer and I, in the prophetic, in kingdom teaching, 
is to help you to discover the habitation of God's presence. The Amen. value of every single day abiding in the presence of God. Amen. That's first and foremost. Seeking his presence. Seeking his face. In fact, that's our assignment. We are carriers of the glory of God. Jennifer and Amen. I are, have the mantle of habitation that we carry for others. But the second thing that we are passionate about is for the family is spiritual family. Being a true mother and father to people and sowing into them. So I'm going to open now if anybody has any comments about what we've taught on. Any questions, I'm going to go ahead and let each one of you unmute. And it's fine if you want to unmute and stay unmuted. That'll be fine because I'm done teaching. And if you want to ask questions or you got a comment you want to make, please feel free to jump on. If you want to just keep listening, that's fine too. But uh, go ahead, Paul. Um, I, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, not taking control, um, I've mentored uh, people in my, uh, let me just say the people that God has given me to minister to are people with disabilities. And it's real difficult to mentor them. Uh, you, you do have a strong, um, a strong desire to take control. Um, just because they can be, I mean, I'm thinking of one person in, in general, they can be very uh, all over the place and you want to take control um, in, in like uh, in a church setting, I, I can see that the, the need to want, want to take control because uh, you might want to, um, I don't know if this is coming across correctly or what, but you might be afraid that, that others might try to uh, create division in your own church do you know what i'm saying is this making sense at all to you do you understand where i'm coming from well yeah because you you said it in your church if something is your church then of course you're gonna my whiteboard drawing is terrible but i'm gonna show you this <laughs> you know, oh it's great if people I, I, if people ahead. you know if it's your church and you're in control of it then yes you have to dominate it it's absolutely necessary. But here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you this, um, this um, uh, little thing here. And this is not super spiritual, but it, it applies. So I'm going to answer what you're saying, the need to control. You know, I keep messing that up. I've got to do this differently. I need to get a better whiteboard. Anyway, this is every person within the United States. You are a mixture of one or two combination of all of these temperaments. You have here your choleric, controlling, dominating, can be very manipulative temperament. Then you have your melancholy, also controlling, can be manipulative. Then you have your sanguine, and you have your phlegmatic. Your top two here are extroverts, okay? They're easy to step out and take control. So if you have a choleric temperament, like you were saying, now I'm sure, Paul, there are exceptions to the rule, but most of the time you're dealing with someone who has a choleric personality. Jennifer will tell you that she had a mother that was extremely controlling and just did everything for the kids. Because it's just easier for her to do it herself than to take the time to try to train her kids. So unfortunately, Jennifer got married, had never learned how to do laundry or to clean a house or to cook or anything that was necessary to be a good wife. Because her mother was too busy and just did it for everybody. And so she had to learn the hard way. And that's the problem. When you do things for everybody, they never learn. But again, if you're these two top temperaments, these two extroverts, you're going to be more apt to do things for people. 
And you can weaken people by doing that. If these bottom two introvert, you're probably not going to be more apt to it, but you're probably just not going to be involved in your life at all. So let, let me just, um, let me get rid of all this. I want to show you this now. Now, let me, let me figure how I can re represent this to you. All right. You know what, better yet, let me see if I can find something that's already uh, been put up. So hang on a second, I need to get out of something and see if I can find something real quick. If I can't find this, then I'm not gonna worry about it. But let me just look real quick and see. There's different levels and different ways to lead people, how to guide people when it comes to teaching and training. and if I can't find this, then I'm just gonna try to, to tell you it. I think I found it. Yep, yeah, perfect. This is called the learning pyramid, Paul. And this is how we train people. Look at here at the very top. That's, that's just telling people what to do. And this is also telling them or just doing it for them. This is the percentage of what people are going to learn. Now, if people read about things, here's what they retain. If they both read and see something, they retain this. If you sit down and demonstrate and show them how to do it, look how much greater their ability to learn is. If you just, you not only show them how to do it, but you have discussion. Have them let them ask questions and dialogue back and forth. Look what it jumps to, what they can retain. Now, look what happens when you let them do it. You don't do it for them. You let you let them do it. 75% of retention. And then after you've let them do it, then let them teach others to do it. 90%. Most churches and most pastors are right in this realm right here. Maybe the first three. They lecture and tell people. That's what happens when you sit on a pew for 45 minutes and just hear a sermon. Or you, you just, they preach to you and tell you, go read these scriptures or read this book. Or they preach to you and they show you a video. But if you want to get into the higher levels of impacting, and you can't control people and just do everything for them. Now, I know there's exception for the rules, and you might be dealing with disabled people, and I have a sum of disabilities. I understand. There are times you're forced to have to just do something for them. But I'm talking under normal circumstances. Don't be a controller. It is not healthy, ever. Anyone else got a, a question or a comment? Thank you. That's a very good question and comment there. Well, I, I want to say something, you know, when you were saying, don't be a controller, what happens when you become a controller? Well, you get wore out very quickly and you don't, you find that you're, you have less patience with people because you're always doing it. Well, look at Moses. Moses was trying to handle all the problems of the people himself. And his father-in-law said, you're going to put yourself in the grave. Amen. So he, he showed him how to go out and train others, help carry the load. And, you know, here's another principle. Everyone has a capacity to lead others. Most people without proper training and proper gifting, most cannot lead more than 10 to 20 at one time. That's the average person's capacity to lead. With the proper training and teaching, that can go to 100 to 150. Very few leaders are gifted to lead 1,000 or lead 10,000. Most of the time, it's duplicating yourself. It's teaching and training others and trusting them to do it. Especially when you delegate things and you get into others, 
Don't take it back over again. And do it yourself because they're doing it wrong. Take the time to stop and say, hang on. Did you listen to what I said? Here's the process how you do it. And train them. Because here's what happens when you control people as a leader, as a spiritual mother or father. Then you become responsible for everything they do. Because they're just doing what you said. That's right. Then you're the culprit. Mm -hmm. I don't let people put that on me. Even people that want a word from God for me. I'll give them a word, but then I'll say, look, you need to pray this through. And go back to Papa God and follow what he's telling you to do. Don't just arbitrarily go do something because the prophet told you to do it. Because then it's too easy when it doesn't happen. When, when things fail, well, the prophet said to do it. That creates confusion and lack of faith and dysfunction. You have to take responsibility for your decisions. And guys, it's okay to make mistakes in the kingdom. It's okay. You, you're going to create messes. We like messes. We'll just come help you clean it up. That's all. You got to clean your messes up. You can't keep making messes and leaving it for someone else to clean up. Amen. And that's one way you can learn from your mistakes is when you're helping people to clean messes up, but they got to clean it up themselves. And, and don't shame them at the same time. Right, right. Paul, I don't know if you put your hand back up again or if you didn't take it down. No, I did. I did. I just didn't want to interrupt you. Um, I actually just read something. I, I don't remember what this book was, but it was talking about the very thing that you were talking about in terms of uh, uh, training somebody. Um, I think it, it had more to do with um, being business minded and that uh, you would lead something, but uh, it would be a huge mistake for you to go in and, and, um, uh, try to take control of a certain area that was yours, but you don't want to get in there and, and start taking control because you'll mess it up. But you need to just, you, you, you lead over it, but you don't even go in and, and mess it or mess with it at all. Yeah. And, and, and I'm just saying the job uh, with your yeah. teaching, with your teaching. Well, thank you. It's Paul. awesome. And, and thank you, Paul. And thank you for that input. I appreciate that. And guys, this is just kingdom principles. All I'm trying to tell you is if you're going to be a spiritual mother or father, you got to lose the need to control people. You got to empower people and encourage them to pray and hear from God themselves and fast. That doesn't mean you don't in dire times fast and pray for a word from God from somebody. I do that oftentimes. And you know, and, and that's an appreciated process. But ultimately, avoid the need to control people. Instead, encourage them, teach them, counsel them, give them good advice and good direction, but let them make their own choices. And don't let it overly hurt you. If somebody rejects your counsel and doesn't listen to what you say, don't take it personal. Because... If you've heard from God as a spiritual father and mother or as a, as a leader and, and, and they're rebelling against you, they're the ones that are going to pay for it, not you. you got to be there to pick them up when they fall and, and bandage their wounds up and just say, okay, now what have you learned? <laughs> what did you learn in this situation? Are you ready to listen now? Are you ready to give up your way and your independence? And maybe try God's way. Amen. Okay. Well, guys, if you don't have any questions and, and uh, we're done, then I'll just bless you guys and we'll be done early this week. Amen. We love you. Thank you so much for joining. I love each one of you, especially those of you that are our sons and daughters to us. But we've really acknowledged that relationship. We, we, we cherish our relationship with you. And again, Jennifer and I are here if you need us. Amen. You have complete liberty to reach out to us anytime you need us. And we're here for you. 
Amen. Those that you've not entered yet into a true, a father-son relationship, you don't have to. I mean, I don't mind mentoring people. And I don't mind giving to you. It's just, you don't get access like sons and daughters do. It's just, it's, we, we, we have so much time in the day between our ministry, the business we run, everything in life. You know, we want to give quality time to those that enter into that, that precious relationship with a son or a daughter. And that's not a statement of rejection to anybody. We love you guys. Thank you so much. Love you. God bless. You too. See you later. Thank you.